0: Hello and welcome to Alan & launch. My name is Bianca Vasilake, and I will be your host on the podcast for demystifying both the process of getting into law and where this career might take you. Today's episode is how can I make the most of my pre-application experience? And we will also touch on the type of experience that you might want to seek to gain uh, before actually making any applications, whether it is a first year scheme or a vacation scheme or even a training contract. After all, you know the saying, before you set sail, you need to know your bearings. And in order to help us answer this rather puzzling but very important question, I have here with me uh, Joe Fallon, one of the trainees at ANO who um, did a non-law degree. He studied international relations at St. Andrews. I also have Maria John, another trainee who studied law at LSE and Ben Molt, who is one of our graduate recruitment specialists. And now let's just jump straight into it. This is more for Joe and Maria from like the perspective of applicants. What kind of introductory materials such as books, websites, or even events would you recommend for someone who has just started considering a career in commercial law? And what is each of them helpful for? Joe, would you like to take this first one?
1: Sure. Um, I think one of the important things that you'll always hear is this Commercial awareness point, especially because in the interviews, <laughs> people don't really expect you to have a technical knowledge of law. Especially because a lot of people come from a non-law degree at the stage of that interviewing, yeah. and so I think to build that up slowly and gradually is really helpful because you can't just cram it and you can't just regurgitate a few FT headlines and think that you're going to impress anyone. Yeah, So Great with that, think that one. <laughs> one thing. I did was listen to um, Radio 4 podcasts. You can get just little 10-minute excerpts every day of like the business news that comes on in the morning. So when you're kind of cycling or getting the tube or something, and you can just listen to that and they discuss it critically as well as just reporting it. And just that little and often you become a bit more familiar with the way things are discussed and you get used to talking about things. Okay. And it you just are able to speak a little bit more naturally about commerce and commercial law and business and it just yeah, you know,
0: just makes a little difference i think so
2: what do you think maria yeah and to build on that um what i used was um there's a website called finimize um you can sign oh. up to alerts and yeah, they send really you my like god, exactly they send you like an overview of the key commercial headlines and i think they they record i mean they they write how long it can take you to read it essentially it's like three minutes or something um and they also explain the headlines and explain the context behind them and why you should care and why it matters so you're kind of able to talk about that more confidently Um, and then just generally obviously news websites keeping up to date with what's going on in the business world that's kind of necessary Um, and then also just more websites about things like all about law that was super helpful because it gives an overview of what um, commercial law is about it talks about specific firms and it also goes into the different areas that make up commercial law. Cause obviously that's that's thrown about, but it's a huge time. It can cover anything from competition law to um finance. Yeah. So that was really helpful.
0: Okay. That that is very helpful. And I, I definitely use those materials as well. I think I think everyone should kind of take a look and just least in the beginning, just have a brief overview. Are there any events that you found helpful or that you attended to kind of get started with commercial law?
2: In first year, there were a few um, open days that were put on specifically for first year students, and a lot of them had networking events at the the end of that. So I found speaking to trainees and associates there really helpful, um, because obviously there's nothing more useful than hearing directly what they're doing and then being able to assess whether that's something that you are interested in.
0: How about you Joe? Because like, I think your perspective is quite different because obviously you did a non-law degree um, and then you did something else afterwards. So for someone who wants to get into law but not from university, how, how did you approach this? Did you attend any events or how did you have your introduction to the field?
1: Yeah, true. So not only did I not do law, but I also made the decision to enter law pretty late on. So rather than the traditional route of going to lots of open days and recruitment events, (laughs) I came at it pretty quickly, maybe (laughs) a month or so before I was here interviewing. Um, But one thing I did do just to kind of scope out the different firms and get a feel for things, I went to, um, it was actually the law fair in Nottingham. I'm from Chesterfield, so that's a local one. Those those are really good just to find stuff out. People come from all different levels of experience because now as a trainee, I've been on the other side of the table and you get people who just don't know what any of it is and you can kind of really help them with that, what you're going to do, what the type of work is. You'll also get people who are ready, prepared, come with armed with a list of very precise, detailed <laughs> questions as to how derivatives work, who you can try and avoid. Um, so yeah, no matter what stage you're at, those I think are really good just to kind of chat to people, get a feel for what it's like, speak to different firms.
0: That, that's very helpful. And kind of leads me to the next question, uh, which is when you were applying, what did you think were the main skills or attributes that law firms were looking for in their applicants? And has that changed with hindsight?
2: Um, at the time, I felt there was quite a lot of emphasis on commercial awareness. And I think that is that's pretty accurate. You do need to be commercially aware and keeping up to date um, with updates so you can understand the context of the work that you're that you're doing as a trainee. Um, another thing that I thought was important was to show that you are kind of motivated to do a career in commercial law and that obviously presupposes that you have a good awareness of what commercial law involves as a trainee um you know watching suits probably is not enough (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I think yeah that's that's generally something you need because obviously the training contract is a two-year program you need to have that Mm self-motivation um and interest to be able to
0: get through it what do you think what are the these attributes and skills that you are actually looking for in applicants
3: yeah so I think like things like commercial awareness the enthusiasm showing intellect etc are key things which every law firm would be looking for and we call these like mental agility change agility people agility and solutions agility um I think you can find those all on the website but for me personally it's also around the cultural fit as well
1: Mm
3: -hmm. I'm sure everyone here can say that A&O's got a particular culture around collaboration etc so being able to show that on your application forms and interview is a really key thing that I look at because you work in so close teams here. If you're going to annoy someone, it's not (laughs) going to be a good fit in a a sense. So that's something that our team definitely look even before um, applications.
0: Which leads me to uh, the work experience. Um, what are you looking for in terms of the work experience, whether it's like paid or voluntary, legal or non-legal? You mentioned collaboration. So I'm thinking the work experience should maybe show that you can work well in a team or?
3: Yeah, I think, and actually Joe, you can all kind of back me up on this, but I think people thought there was a stigma that you had to have legal experience to get into a, career in law that's not the case in a nutshell all experience can be useful it's how you use that experience and how you talk about it Mm -hmm. so even it like i used to work in the boots when i was 16 you'd have a difficult customer um, which was having a go at you because you didn't have x thing in stock it's very similar to a tricky client how you adapt your communication style how you worked with the team to come to an innovative solution It's just how you phrase that experience so there isn't one particular side um obviously getting legal work experience will teach you is it the right thing for you? It's not a definite prerequisite. I'd be interested to hear what these two think as well.
0: Yeah. What kind of experience did you have when you were applying? Which ones did you find more kind of most useful when you were drafting your applications as well?
2: So um, when I was applying to vacation schemes and stuff, obviously I think they firms would be aware that you can't have had much legal work experience, at least by that stage. Um, So I tried to um, do things like volunteer at um, the Citizens Advice Bureau. I didn't really have any contacts in the legal industry, so I thought that's kind of my only way to get get any. And that was kind of the skills that you learn. You're communicating with clients, um, you're researching and trying to provide advice based on that. Um, So I think those... The skills that it teaches you, you can apply those to a career in law. Um, so I found that that was helpful, and I was able to talk about that at interviews and things. Um, also, did a week's work experience program in a commercial formula- firm, like a mid-sized firm. I found that was helpful to be able to talk about it because you could you could literally say that you've sat in a real estate department or um, tax, for example, and be able to talk about why you found that interesting or not interesting. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, that was helpful.
0: And how, how about you, Joe? I know you mentioned, you know, about your experience in between university and actually applying. How kind of how did you manage to put that into your application and kind of relate it to, um, to a career in commercial law?
1: Yeah, so I, I didn't really have any legal work experience. I'd been teaching um, English in China after my degree and mm-hmm. um, finished that came back, needed a job, blank piece of paper. (laughs) And so whilst at the time of the um, applications, I had actually just started working um, also at the Citizens Advice Bureau. um, That was not really something I went too big on because I'd only been there a couple of weeks. So I talked about a whole gamut of things to show all the the kind of skills that Ben was talking about. Mm -hmm. So I talked about actual paid work. So what I was doing in China, some of the challenges of that also kind of disputes and stuff, like helping the other teachers review their contracts and their like rental things and <laughs> being like the <laughs> informal in-house overseas lawyer, <laughs> um, which kind of got me into that. And But I also, on my application, talked about all kinds of non-work and non-legal stuff like going hitchhiking or running the treasury of the Whiskey Society or, you know, just yeah all kinds of stuff i think you can as long as you're showing the skills it doesn't necessarily have to be the standard kind of vacation schemes and open days and because i think K and O are aware that the vacation scheme especially is a work experience scheme and the whole idea that you have to have work experience to get work experience to get work experience i mean it has to start yeah. somewhere <laughs> i think you both hit the nail on the head there because people have different
3: backgrounds and if you don't have connections straight away that you do have to learn these skills elsewhere so I think they were both good ways of doing it. societies are a really good way to show that you've had a role of some sort of standing you'll have to organise different people etc so there's so many skills just from maybe what you think was quite simple being the president of the whiskey society for example.
1: Can't say president yes. <laughs> treasurer, treasurer. Well, go to dinner with the president last night <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go <laughs>
0: And It's good that you mentioned societies because I feel that, especially at university, there's the big choice when you go around the societies fair and you don't know exactly what to choose because you want it to look good on your CV, but then you also have your passions and then you're kind of torn. So what kind of society work did you do and how did you choose it? Did you choose it based on what you liked or did you also think about the uh, CV aspect of it? Did you do a mix? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, so I did a mix. Um, so one of the societies I was involved in, I had an events coordinator role, so that I kind of selected so that I could build up my organisation skills. Um, and another one was um, I played netball. So obviously that's not really anything related to law, but I wanted to be able to keep fit and I guess the teamwork element might be useful for the career.
3: Also, also can show resilience. Like sports, a really good way of showing that you've come back from a uh, you were. 10-0 down, and then you came and won. It's a really good way to show drive, motivation, resilience.
0: Um, and if you're always on, like, the best team and you're just crushing <laughs> everyone. That's true. I don't
3: know if Maria, if that was <laughs> <the guess.
0: laughs> How about you, Joe? You mentioned the Whiskey Society.
1: Yeah, I was, I, I don't know, at university, I was just focusing on what I enjoy, and I enjoyed my degree as well in studying. Um, and I think, yeah, if you do stuff you enjoy, the experiences and the opportunity to talk about things will come naturally so i mean i've got on the committee of the whiskey society because it meant i could go for drinks with the people that did the tastings and get into the tastings for free (laughs) but it also does yeah it's good stuff that goes on the cv and i think yeah you do stuff you enjoy everything just comes easier you enjoy your work more because you're having a nice time i think you certainly shouldn't feel pressured to do a lot of like societies you don't want to do and just Go to the law society and the economic society and all of that. I and went to
0: the law society. Oh, you yeah, absolutely can it do. It yeah, yeah of
1: course.
3: <laughs> law societies are a good way of getting to <laughs> yeah. meet firms. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah. But don't feel that you should spend your Monday to Friday constantly doing all that kind of thing. Do what you do what you enjoy, and there's always a chance to kind of shine and have stuff to talk about on an interesting application.
3: Yeah, we we find that people that are actually passionate about it will speak about it in a better way. Technology is a big example of that, that mm. people that have heard it's a buzzword but don't really like technology and then they try and speak about it and you can tell they don't like it. So I would try and follow your
0: passions because it's you see it come across as more enthusiastic, especially on an application form. And this, um, I, I was actually curious about this because when I was in uni, I was trying to do a lot of, you know, extracurricular society work. And I think Maria can also identify with this because I think, especially when you do a law degree, there's like all this pressure
2: everyone is applying. Yeah, the constant juggling act, trying to finish all the readings and then maintain your social life and sleep, ideally too. And eat yeah, as well, that too. exercise, <laughs> it's too
0: much. But I was wondering, how much weight do you place on universities society work and like on other extracurriculars or is it more just work experience and so, your answers to why law why yeah. this firm
3: so, so at a and we kind of look at it as a whole so we'll look at your academics we'll look at your extracurriculars we'll look at the different bits of societies that you're doing there isn't one thing which will make you seem better than another so if you spayed in a sports team and you didn't also take part in the law society that doesn't mean that you'd be worse than someone that does both. I think it's how you write about them, which is the really key factor of differentiating yourself because there are so many societies these days. Do
0: you agree with that? Did you think about it in the same way when you're applying?
1: Well, I guess it's what you do in the societies as well because, again, you could say you're a member of the law society and you turn up and kind of snooze at the back of a talk every now and then very and true. it's not really showing very much. <laughs> Contrast that to say, oh, you're the president of the Quidditch Society, but yeah, <laughs> organising all the members, subs, and arranging the logistics and booking. Do we have pictures? I don't know. I, they I don't, have get... I don't no, know enough about yeah. this. <laughs> 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 but you know, it doesn't matter what it is. You're showing time management and skills, and yeah. so yeah, I'd say what you do and what you do within any particular society is probably equally as important as to what actually it is.
0: That's a very good point. And um, you, you all mentioned grades. So, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> um, I was just, it was just going to be a brief question. And I was wondering how important you thought grades were when you were applying and how much emphasis uh, graduate
2: recruitment actually places when you look at an application. Whoever, whoever wants to start first. <laughs> So at the time, especially when I was applying to vacation schemes, I remember thinking they were really important. And although that's not the be all and end all, yeah. and obviously I realised that firms, they, they're looking for a more well-rounded person as well, but it still doesn't detract from the, the pressure that you feel to try and get um, as high grades as possible to be able to compete essentially. But I can understand that there are many elements in application that firms will look at. hmm Joe, what do you think? I mean,
1: it's probably more one for Ben to answer, but it (laughs) seems, I mean, of course it's going to be important to an extent. And I guess the best way to approach that is, I mean, people listening to this will probably already have chosen a degree course, but then if you're choosing modules, for instance, rather than trying to second guess the firm and think about what modules might look good, maybe do pick the ones that you are actually going to enjoy, and then the ones where it will be easiest to work hard at and get good grades at yeah. rather than picking ones which are going to be a bit of a slog okay and i think that that's normally a good approach if you enjoy your degree which i was lucky enough to it really doesn't feel too bad to be kind of burning the midnight oil in the library because you kind of want to read that next chapter and
0: yeah and i'm just curious about it yeah so now
1: ben, um yes the, you think How are the going to dispel the myth
3: <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so academics are really important and like i can't lie in the sense that we are looking for people which have got their intellectual capability we have aab as kind of our minimum requirements now we do have contextualized recruitment and so gives a bit of context of kind of if your school average grades were ddd and you were just a little bit below that but shows that you've performed well and above of your peers we can take that into context okay luckily we don't kind of have like an automatic sifting so if you did like our systems can't work out if you put in A, B, B and it would automatically send you out. Okay. I, it's having everything in your arsenal. So being really proactive at university to get the best grades, it just puts you in a better light. We do get thousands of applications, so we have to look at everything. So for anyone who is at university, whether in first year, second year, third year, you want to try your best to try and get the best grades and potentially doing something like Joe advice of picking modules, which you know you'll do better in uh, and enjoy is a good way to make your application stand up
0: and speaking of kind of standing out um did you like joe maria i I know joe mentioned you attended the law fair um how about you maria did you attend any law fairs or other firm-led skill sessions or workshops and how useful did you find them
2: um so i attended the LSE's um, law fair that they put on every year and then you get to go and speak to lots of different firms and get to speak to their graduate recruitment um, staff and I found that helpful because you get an idea of what differentiates each firm and then I could then use that in my application and try and show that the skills that they talked about um, and how I had them or how I demonstrated them in the past so I found that helpful. Um, I also did this program with, I don't know if you know, Rare Recruitment. Yeah. Um, Rare Recruitment had this program called Articles. Um, and it's essentially a social mobility organization. And they work with lots of different partner firms. And then they send you there and you can spend an afternoon at the firm. And they host things like business games and um, networking events and things, and especially the business game. So that's like a case study, essentially. They give it to you and you're in a team and you're kind of spotting issues, not necessarily legal issues, because I think they try and cater for law and non-law students. Um, And I found that kind of thing really helpful, especially for interviews when often that's exactly the exercise that you're asked to do. And having some kind of awareness of what you might be asked to interview is obviously going to come in use. So I think those are there the law firm led sessions, they were the ones I found most helpful. Okay. And
0: did you, you know, sometimes there's this pressure that, I mean, I sometimes went to networking events or panel discussions and they, some people tell you that, you know, you must go there prepared and have the questions and be ready and know about the firm. And sometimes realistically speaking, you can't prepare. And sometimes you're just going there to see if you like the firm, so you might not prepare. So when you went to your events, did you prepare if yes how and when you didn't prepare how did you go about approaching the event
2: when i went to the the firm i i did have a brief look at what what exactly they do and what um what their areas of specialism are because i didn't want to go into a firm and not know what they do because obviously you're there to find out things that you wouldn't have known if you'd not been there not something you could just google um but i don't know if that's the approach everyone else takes <laughs> what do you think joe
1: I think sometimes, I mean, I've done quite a lot of these now as a trainee, like yeah. volunteering for these, and you do get the impression that some of the um, people attending feel that, like, you as a trainee are going to like get to tick for box as to whether they can come or not, and every conversation is <laughs> going to be like noted down somewhere, and it really isn't. Like, you know, you can ask a silly question at an open day or at a law fair, and no one's going to take a huge amount of note of it, positively or negatively. But at the same time, it's nice to make a good impression and you might be a bump into that person again. And yeah. you do certainly notice, say, when you're approached at a law fair, someone that asks even just a vaguely intelligent question, I think, whereas you do remember some of the bad ones. I think oh. somebody, my favourite was <laughs> someone who said that they wanted to do commercial law because their parents wanted them to do accounting, uh, but they didn't want to sit at a desk in front of a computer all day.
0: Oh, okay.
1: <laughs> like, yeah. I really don't want to disabuse you of what... <laughs> Yeah. It's going to entail. What,
0: what, but... what was your answer to that? Did you, did you, bring, her did you bring this person down or yeah. did you leave it there? Smile and nod. Um, yeah. <laughs> and which kind of makes me think, because you both mentioned how important it is to talk to people and just meet people and get to kind of like pick their brains and understand what they're doing, which makes me think about networking and how and when I did networking, I found it a bit contrived and I wasn't very sure whether I have to follow up with any of the people I met, how I should do that, what we should talk about at this follow-up coffee. So I was wondering if you had any advice around this for applicants.
1: Don't approach it as networking, because as as I said before, the people that you're going to be networking with aren't the decision makers usually and a firm Unless like I you know is gradual yeah,
0: recruitment yeah. that you're networking sure, yeah with. but
1: <laughs> even individuals there's a yeah. there's policy and process but yeah. to kind of stop it being about schmoozing individuals and buying <laughs> gifts and <laughs> you know how it's much, not chocolate for everyone yeah, definitely have
0: <laughs> yeah
1: although any gifts welcome <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, it's not because there has to be policies in place as well about getting the best applicants. And so it's not as if you can kind of schmooze and network your way into a training contract. But like I've events I've done, and I've had a cup just in the last week, um, say I'm going for a coffee with someone on Friday who I gave my business card to, they followed up in an email. And whilst she won't get a training contract by virtue of talking to me. <laughs> She will get half an hour of my time, ask any individual questions, queries she might have, and just get comfortable and more confident talking to people in law, And which if you've got brothers and sisters and family, then that comes naturally anyway. But if you don't, just talking to someone in this kind of job and figuring out how they talk about things and how they refer to seats just makes everything seem a bit more natural. Mm -hmm. And so do, just don't treat it as this is a networking event. Because it doesn't really matter at that stage, I don't think. Okay. But just see it as an opportunity to talk to people and get information. So don't be embarrassed to follow up to ask people for a coffee, because generally trainees find it quite flattering that <laughs> people actually <laughs> email them and take their business card. And we like a bit of flattery.
2: So. Yeah, well, I was gonna say I agree with them um, the approach of not seeing it as networking. You're just going to speak to people about what you're interested in. Yeah. Um and so a couple of uni students came into into ENO um and one of them kind of followed up with me afterwards on LinkedIn and then just wanted to hear more about funds that's an area of their interest um and I explained that I hadn't actually sat in funds but I could actually put them in touch with a trainee that's that had oh. sat in sat in funds so um just by reaching out to me he was able to find out more about departments. department so I think just if you have a genuine question um and you didn't it didn't get covered in the initial meeting or whatever then it's worth kind of following up with them and it always looks good i think that you've you've taken the initiative to do that
3: yeah i i think the word networking everyone hates because you have to think of the idea that i've the aim of this is to get a business card and then I need to follow up, et cetera. Yeah. LinkedIn's a really good way of just being able to, if you do meet someone, say, do you mind that I can add them on LinkedIn and following up is a good idea. Okay. The majority of people like talking about themselves. And as Joe <laughs> said, flattery is quite good. So <laughs> if you can reach out to them by try and kind of tailor it So don't say like, Joe, why did you join A&O? Because you've probably asked him that. Maybe try and think about something extra you'd like to learn. Mm-hmm. So the fun thing's a really good
1: way of doing that. Same <laughs> approach as you use for Tinder, don't just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No no generic <laughs> opening lines. Yeah. Not Tailor it. Read the profile. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, that new graduate recruitment idea. Um, <laughs> but I do Swipe think right on A&O. <laughs> yeah, Everyone should be doing that. Um, and then Going back to kind of like the earlier thing about like events, et cetera, going with an idea of what you want to ask is is good, but mm-hmm. you'll go there and probably think of 10, 15 more questions whilst you are sitting there listening to people.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
3: always think prep is a good idea, but it's not, Don't it has to be super prepped to go.
0: So uh, this kind of leads me into, yeah, events are very important. It is important to meet people, but how important is it to attend the events organized by the firm that you're applying to? And should you do that, does that make you stand out? Does it have any impact?
3: So I think when we're looking at applications, we understand that people come from different backgrounds, so you might not have gone to an event, but it shows that drive and motivation for the firm. Mm -hmm. It also gives you the opportunity to see what the culture is like, and you can learn if that firm's for you. I'd say it's more on the candidate side than it is on the recruiter's side for the benefits. Um, we've definitely recruited people which haven't been to an AO event in the past.
0: So, are there any experiences, whether it's work experience, extracurriculars, or just life experience, that you would recommend that applicants seek to gain before starting to apply?
2: I think before applying to a training contract, it's really useful to have done a vacation scheme if you can. Um, I try to do the ones that obviously I wanted to apply for a training contract for, because then you get to see directly what the trainees at the firm do. Um, and I think you can actually make an informed opinion um, about what work at that firm is going to be like. So I would absolutely recommend that people apply for back schemes. Mm-hmm. Okay, Joel, any advice on this? Just
1: do fun stuff and do what you enjoy, because then you can, <laughs> your application will stand out, because yeah. no matter how good you are and what your grades are, there will also be five other people, pretty similar, and mm-hmm. HR have to choose. And so be interesting, and then you can talk about it in an interesting way. So, I don't know, on my skills interviews and like the application forms, I think I talked about um, hitchhiking to Prague. I think I talked about <laughs> digging cool. a, um, a drainage. How long did it ditch. take? Wait,
0: how long did it take? Was uh, it from London? Uh,
1: we were pretty quick, actually. We nearly won. Okay. So it was like two days. But where From St. Andrews. Start? Okay. So you had to oh, get all the way down oh, to okay. Dover.
0: Okay, Do only I... two days. Yeah, that well, very didn't really get quick. any sleep. We <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> through the night. That's it for seven. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay.
1: So that, because that, they ask questions about things like resilience and showing kind of leadership in the face of adversity, all that kind of stuff, which people always think they have to talk about very commercially sounding, lorry sounding things, but
0: yeah,
1: the fact that I'm here shows that talking about that kind of thing can also get people's attention and as long as you answer the question intelligently you can do stuff that you enjoy and have a really good time at uni and still put together a really good application so, yeah yeah,
3: yeah I'd get, i think we're, we're quite lucky that we recruit from both our vacation schemes and training contracts we get a whole mix of people and backgrounds which come to ano the vacation schemes are a really good way to work out if you like ano um and marie will be able to tell you that you get to really learn what the firms like um some firms do just directly recruit from the VAT scheme so you should have a look at the different websites because you might have to do it but there's also first year programs which if you can get onto those they can be a really good differentiator when you're applying for vacation schemes to show that you've been proactive etc Um, also they can fast track you to interviews etc so even if you are just starting out uh, at uni in good old october have a look and see what firms are going to be doing on campus during October and December, because you might be able to apply for first year programs in the January, February time.
0: Thank you. And this kind of wraps up the very serious part of uh, of the discussion, which hopefully wasn't too serious, and leads me to uh, the round of off-the-wall questions.
3: I'm excited for these. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, So it will be three questions and uh, they're supposed to be unexpected. Let's phrase it that way. So question number one is, what would be your strategy for surviving an apocalyptic epidemic?
3: Uh, So I have a few friends that work at IBM uh, and they have an old school bunker underneath their head office. So Um, I would go there and hope that they'd let me in Very um, and then see what they would do, because I think they would have
1: more of an approach than I would.
0: That sounds like a legitimately very good strategy.
1: Clay yeah. thought about it a lot. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I mean, if you did manage to, to survive it, it would be an excellent thing to put on your Alan and Overy application. <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm I, I really sh-
1: triumphed in the face of adversity, <laughs> I showed <said> leadership, inventiveness. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that would be one of the best answers i have ever yeah. read. <laughs>
0: Okay, and then the next one is what do you dislike but have no good reason for
2: disliking? Egg yolk. <laughs> egg, egg yolk? <laughs> yeah. It's just, I just, I don't know, I can't explain it. It's just runny and there's just no reason for it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
3: That's, that's a fair shout. <laughs> I'd probably go along the food route as well and like think mushrooms. Because even though when they're in things, I'll eat them and think it's not
1: that bad. If I see a mushroom, I would never do it myself. So there's no real reason why.
0: Okay, No.
1: Not sure I can answer that question. I think all my likes are very... And dislikes are very justified and rational. <laughs> 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 if you do say so, you know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, egg yolk being too runny, I think, is a very justified <laughs> answer as well. <laughs> True. <Right. laughs> and now for the last one. This is less of a question and more of, I was just wondering if you had any book or film or music or cultural recommendation for our listeners.
3: So I think if you get yourself down to London, going to see like a show is a really nice idea. So like we recently took some people to see The Lion King. That's a really good uh, experience. Um, I personally went to see Lay uh with my family. That was really, really good. So if you've got the time, going to see a show in London, it's a really good experience.
2: Nice. What do you guys think? I'm going to go down the London route as well. And so okay. I went to Kew Gardens pretty recently and I think that's a go-to
1: bit more left field and you can't all go there because it's quite small it depends how many people are listening um but the (laughs) crypt in camberwell is a really cool jazz club with changing events every friday evening oh sit down at a table get a meal glass of wine changes every friday various different interesting jazz artists
0: that sounds very exciting indeed and this brings us to the end of uh today's episode thank you all for joining me And of course, don't forget to tune in for our next episode in which we will have Wilson Ango Turner, one of our newly appointed partners in the corporate department, who will talk about, well, the route to partnership. And I think the main theme of that was that the journey is what you make it. Thank you all for listening and remember to follow us on social media and check the graduate website. We have a lot of interesting content that we're posting regularly. See you all next time.